What's up, y'all? Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Gimling here with y'all. As always, another big weekend, exciting weekend of college lacrosse just wrapped up today here on Sunday evening. Biggest result of the season so far, and we'll get right into things here. But before we do, remember to like, subscribe to the YouTube channel where you can watch this podcast. And also, you can listen to the Lacrosse Pod- Bucket Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcast. Like, subscribe, do all the things you can on those as well. You can connect with us on social media at Lacrosse Bucket on Twitter slash X, Facebook, and Instagram. Let's get into things here because we have a lot to talk about. Tonight, and as I mentioned, starting off here with the biggest result of the year so far, number one, Notre Dame, going down at home to Georgetown, 11-10 to 10 in overtime. Kevin Warren gets his 100th win as the head coach at Georgetown. It's on the road over the defending national champion, Top-ranked Notre Dame Fighting Irish. What a what a game this was. Um, what a game, and what a day for for Georgetown. This was I said on Thursday's preview show that both of these Sunday games, Virginia Ohio State, as well as Notre Dame Georgetown, were games that I felt you know could be potentially blowouts in either way um, with me thinking Virginia and Notre Dame were the much better teams in each of those contests. Um, Georgetown comes in here and from the get-go just is competitive, is not dominant, but is in this one. And they never let, you know, Notre Dame, it, it felt like they never let them really get too comfortable. Which, remember last season, Notre Dame won this one pretty significantly. Um, and Notre Dame was able to run away with things. And they did that multiple times last season against some of these, you know, top 20 programs. Um, and Georgetown, one of them. And Georgetown started, was it, 0-3, 0-4 last season, with one of those losses being to Notre Dame. Um, Georgetown this time around, and and with this you know younger team, less experienced team than they had a year ago, um, a lot of new faces obviously here for Georgetown. You look at Anderson Moore in cage, eleven save day for him. He played fantastic. His defense has really settled in. Wesley chose Foley Banks like these guys played really good lacrosse today um, on the defensive end there for Georgetown. And this offense has seemingly started to come together too as well. Um, Carroll had a hat trick, has the game winner in overtime. Bundy 2-1. and one. You have Vidalo, Haley, and Kogan each get a goal. Haley had three assists, being the quarterback that he is there of this offense. Um, 
really great day, I think, all around here for Georgetown. James Ball went 7 for 18 at the dot. Thought he played well there against Will Lynch, who went 15 for 22 for Notre Dame. The biggest takeaway I had from from this one, um, from this game, was, you know, we talk about, you know, and we've talked about Georgetown these past couple weeks improving, and we've talked about them getting better. And each week it seems like they've gotten better. You look at that close loss against Loyola. Defense was out of sync. Um, you had an offense that was dry, wasn't able to get things going. Even the next week against Hopkins showed some similar signs, but it was better, right? And then last week against Penn, you know, had to fight off a comeback, but was able to put together the pieces to come out strong and was able to maintain that lead um, against a team that likes to play close games. We're going to talk about that here in, in, in a little bit later on in this episode. Now coming into Notre Dame, Georgetown had the opportunity to make a statement and say, not only have we improved, not only are we a better team than we were week one, and, and not only is that Loyola game a fluke, but we are here and we are ready to not only compete in the Big East and defend our five titles, five consecutive Big East titles, but we're also ready to play with the best of the best on any given Saturday this season, and we can beat the best of the day, of the best. And that is exactly what Georgetown did in this game. And if you look at this one, it is very, very close throughout. 30, like, statistically, this game could not have been more even. 35 shots for Georgetown, 36 for Notre Dame. Shots on goal for Georgetown, 19, 21 for Notre Dame. 11 saves for Moore, 8 saves for Intamin for Notre Dame. Goalie play was fantastic throughout this contest. 2 for 4 on the man up for Georgetown, 3 for 4 for Notre Dame. We'll talk about that here in a second. 15 for 8 on the day was 15 faceoffs, 1 for Notre Dame, 8 for Georgetown. You know, you saw Georgetown struggle at that point to an extent there, but as I mentioned, I thought Ball did pretty well, actually, and wasn't as big as a factor as it could have otherwise been if they weren't getting things done in these other areas. Uh, Notre Dame goes 17 for 20 in the clearing game. Georgetown goes 20 for 22. Georgetown has 17 turnovers to Notre Dame's 5, or Notre Dame's 15. Ten of those turnovers for Georgetown were caused. Six of those 15 for Notre Dame were caused. So, across the board, if you look at it, a pretty even game in many respects. And there's a couple points here that, to me, felt like turning points in this game. The first came with in the third quarter, where, or to me, early in the fourth quarter, where, well, actually, yeah, third quarter, 
or you had Jordan Fajan um, get, gets that goal, gets his first of the day. He had one goal on the day, has six on the year, Sun Bowl MVP. He gets a goal there, really good work, cashes in, and it ties things up 6-6, six to six, and, and that's the score heading into the fourth. Pat Kavanaugh finds Chris Kavanaugh sixth uh, to make it 7-6 early on in that fourth quarter as Notre Dame goes into the final period of play on a man up as there is that penalty um, there on the other end. Uh, let's see who it was on. On, on Seamus Foley, you had that hit. Two-minute man-up penalty. Um, Notre Dame gets one shot off in that final possession there of the fourth quarter. Let's, let's the time expire and goes in with still time on the man-up. There, Kavanaugh, Chris Kavanaugh, gets that goal assist from his brother. And I felt like at that point, and then you had Notre Dame win that face-off, I felt like at that point, it was one where you saw Georgetown make a mistake, have a hiccup there with that penalty, and think to yourself, this is what you can't do against Notre Dame because they can easily come back in this one. And they did. They, they tied it up just seconds before that, and then they take the lead. And if I'm not mistaken, that was, was that their first lead of the game that they had in that point? Yeah, it was. They, they take their first lead of the game. As Georgetown had the entire way been, you know, they, they uh, it was the first lead since being 1-0. Okay, so since, you know, the first quarter, it had been Georgetown ahead the whole way. Minus those, like, eight, no, two or three minutes that it was 1-0. Um, and you felt like this is a situation now where things are kind of falling apart. And then Notre Dame then has another extra man goal with Jeffrey Riccardelli, 8-7. to seven. And that's, again, early in the fourth quarter. And while you know, T.J. Haley responded, nice dodge and score there, early in the fourth, to make it 7-7. The extra man there, and then there's another extra man from Riccardelli's score with 8.41 left. Those three extra man goals in a row, for me, especially that first one I looked at and I said, this is where Notre Dame's going to win this because Georgetown can't afford to make these mistakes. And to Georgetown's credit, they did not lose this game. They were able to maintain and stay in this thing. But also, then you saw penalties on Notre Dame's behalf. Georgetown gets a little bit of a break here. Pagino gets one. Carroll gets one from TJ Haley. Two extra man goals. You had five, yeah, five extra man goals in this fourth quarter alone combined. Two of them coming from Georgetown late in this fourth quarter to make it a 10-9 game. And then Pat Kavanaugh does what he does, ties things up with 39 seconds left 
to a full server time. Um, I do want to talk about uh, th th this game here with Kavanaugh and this Notre Dame offense more holistically here in a second. But I do want to mention in the uh, late in this game, late in this game, caused turnover by Ty Banks with seven seconds left. Georgetown runs the clock out. We are definitely going to overtime. I believe it was they had called the timeout and got it to Kavanaugh, uh, trying to get it to Kavanaugh for a goal or to set up a play there. In the overtime period, you had Eric Dobson got a shot off. And Notre Dame wins the possession, wins the opening faceoff. Dobson gets a shot off, and then you have it's blocked. Fajan gets the ground ball, and then you had Devin McLean get a shot off, and it's saved by Anderson Morgan. That those two possessions, to me, showcase how much better this Georgetown defense is now than they were a couple weeks ago. If this was game one, Georgetown loses this game. If this was a couple weeks ago, Georgetown loses this game. Anderson Moore doesn't make that save. Ty Banks does not have that cause turnover. Two big defensive stands here is what ultimately helps win this game for Georgetown. And it is this defense that is what enabled them to win this game even when, at times, it felt like the momentum was all going Notre Dame's way with their success at the faceoff. Dot, I will say this, I do like that Georgetown, Kevin Warren did not elect to call the timeout in overtime, trusted his guys, let them play, let them get set up, and they had a fantastic possession. Aiden Carroll with the goal to win the contest. Georgetown goes into a stretch now here where uh, they get, you know, I don't want to say a break, but th this stretch now that they have here is much easier. So you played Loyola, Hopkins, Penn, Notre Dame. Hopkins, Penn, Notre Dame, all ranked teams back to back to back. You go 2-1 and one in that stretch. It's pretty dang good. Uh, Georgetown should be in the top 15 this week. Without a doubt, they were number 19 this week. You've got Brown, who's disappointed. We'll talk more about them uh, Tuesday, I believe. Yeah, Tuesday show. High Point, Dartmouth, Richmond. Those are your next four games before you start Big East play against Providence. And also you've got Marquette, Denver, St. John's, and Villanova there those next weeks. Marquette, Denver, look at this schedule here, and Nova, and Richmond. You've got one, two, three, I think four games that I would I would circle here that you could theoretically lose, um, and, and that's it. And and I think Georgetown is, is, is the better team probably in all those games besides the Denver game. They will be favored in all but that Denver game. So you have really only one more game this season that you are or should be, uh, you know, the underdog in, in, in some respect. So Georgetown, really good spot right now and a really good win for them here tonight. And again, that defensive progression that we've seen 
is the biggest takeaway I have from this game. But then more wholesale, just the experience and growth from this Georgetown team overall. This offense, they're getting more guys involved, as we've talked about the past couple weeks. It continues to get better. I still want to see Vardaro go off. Uh, that should be coming. It should come. He had one for eight today. At least he had a goal. Still want to see him get more involved. They still want to get see him have a day. But Carol, Bundy, Haley, they are doing their thing for sure. Now with Notre Dame, uh, Kavanaugh, Pat Kavanaugh had one goal and two assists on the day. And then you had Chris Kavanaugh had one goal. It didn't feel like to me that Notre Dame and the Kavanaugh's were taken out of this game for the majority of the contest and uh, weren't really factors. So, you've and, and this is not the only game that this has happened the past couple of years. I think of Ohio State has, has done it. Michigan has done it. A um, number of different teams have taken either Pat Kavanaugh or Chris Kavanaugh or both, kind of made them non-factors for lengths of, game, of, of games. And Notre Dame has always had answers outside of that. You know, Jake Taylor is an answer this year, right? Dev McLean is an answer this year. I think Dev McLean was the guy that ended up being that answer. But, and Eric Dobson certainly has been an answer the past couple of years. Wasn't necessarily as impactful today as he could have been. Was one for six shooting, had an assist as well. But he got, what he got, really good goal. Uh, dodging on Dylan Hess there. You had a Fleming Island guy on a Ponte Vedra guy. North Florida, uh, shout out there. So you had good goal from him there, but not really much else. He was 0 for, 0 for 5 the rest of the time shooting. Um, I want to see, you know, and, and that's a question that I have coming into this next weekend with Maryland is, Notre Dame, offensively, we know what the Kavanaugh's bring. We know what Jake Taylor brings. McLean stepped up today and, and did what he did. But do they have the guys that they typically have had at the midfield that they can go to and counter defenses when they are taking the top or top two options out of play or making them non-factors? That's... Very much a question for me with Notre Dame coming out of this contest. All right, so we have talked about 18 or so minutes here about Georgetown Notre Dame. Let's move to the other Sunday game that we had here, and then we'll get to these other ones here um, from the weekend. Virginia 14, Ohio State 8. Virginia runs away with this one. Never really felt in doubt at all. Uh, three goals and three assists for McCabe Millen. Six points for him. Connor Schellenberger, two goals, three assists. Five-point day for him. Uh, not really a, uh, a a game here where we saw a ton or learned a, a, a lot of new things about Virginia. They're a good team. We know that. Um, and, and they play like it today. Yeah, I thought... Virginia did a really good job defensively, once again, on Gannon Matthews. 
Cole Kastner drew that matchup most of the day, and they held him uh, without a point on the day for Ohio State. Coming into this one was Ohio State's leading scorer um, on the season. And so uh, another good performance there defensively for Virginia in this one. I thought their uh, short stick D-middies actually did a pretty dang good job as well here. Uh, Joey Terenzi had a goal. Will Odman also had a goal. Uh, Jaeger, Burt, Mactill, that entire crop, I thought, played extremely well in this one and was impressed with what I saw from that point in this game. It was a question of mine coming into the season for Virginia. Was that the defensive midfield spot? You knew Chase Jaeger provided um, talent there coming in from Hollywood as a grad transfer, but you didn't know kind of what was um, some of these younger guys after him. They've shown up to be pretty good this season, um, and, and at least through February. You know, one of my biggest takeaways is Virginia's defense, and it's a lot better than I expected it to be. A lot of these younger guys have been better than I expected to, them to be uh, for sure. And obviously, Kastner and Nunes uh, continued, you know, to do through this point in the season what we knew they could do. So Virginia takes this one, fourteen to eight. Again, a game that you know Ohio State kind of kept it close at times, uh, but Virginia just transition offense, being able to to push it, just like we saw uh, was it uh, a week ago against Richmond, really is, is in, in their athleticism, their speed, their size, is the difference in a lot of these games for, for Virginia. And being able to get out and run and strike and transition, strike when the iron is hot, is, is a factor for Virginia that is going to lead them to even, you know, Ohio State is a good team much better than they were a year ago, um, is, 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 is that factor, being able to strike in transition like that, like they did at times this year, like they did at times today, and have done this year, is going to lend Virginia to win quite a bit of games, which I think we already knew they were going to do. Uh, one, one big thing I do want to talk about here today is Anthony Gobriel, 75% against Tommy Burke. Great day for him at the faceoff dot, holding Tommy Burke to 50% on the day at the dot. I wasn't sure what that battle would look like. Coming in, I said, I give the nod to Burke to win this thing. Well, Anthony Gobiel proves me wrong, and 75% uh, day for him. Souza went 50%, and Kokuchi went 40%. So they had all three of those guys taking draws there. Uh, we saw some some depth pieces for Virginia show up late in this one. Big one there for the Cavaliers as they take down Ohio State 14-8. Move to play Johns Hopkins in the Doyle Smith Cup uh, next Saturday in a, a, a big one. There should be a top five matchup. Moving on now to 
uh, what I think, until Georgetown Notre Dame, was the game of the weekend. Uh, it was the best game. And we had a number of one-score games. We had five overtime games, I believe it was, and, you know, add up the one-score games, even more of that. NJIT beats Manhattan 11-10, 5-0 NJIT. Congratulations on that. They had five wins over the last uh, decade or so uh, combined, past four seasons or whatever combined. Uh, so congrats to the Highlanders on that. They keep on rolling here. Uh, we're not going to talk about that one, but we are going to talk about Penn and Delaware. So Penn wins a game in the most Penn fashion possible. Uh, so Penn in this one is, and let me pull up the box score here real quick. Penn in this one was down. And I, you know, first of all, Penn came out fast, came out hot, which I was glad to see after they did not do so a week ago against Georgetown. And then all of a sudden, you know, Owings has one, Dambroni has one, Delaware is you know, clawing back. It's a it's a three to three game. And you've got Cam Achione with or Matt Achione, excuse me, and Mike Robinson get man up goals there for Delaware. So you had Two man-up goals um, puts Delaware on what was a three-goal run to end the second quarter. J.P. Ward got an even goal unassisted um, there on the uh, late in that second quarter. Uh, there was like 3.07 left in the half, and, and then you had Brendan Powers get one to start the third quarter, which put Delaware up. 7-4 to four in this one, and it looked to me like all the momentum was going Delaware's way. Penn's offense had kind of, after a strong start to, to, to get up 3-1, and then they were up 4-3, kind of went dry. They, they weren't getting good looks, um, and offensively, defensively, while Carroll was playing good, and while Bruno Lavelli, I thought, played a fantastic game there, on J.P. Ward, held him to just that one goal there. Excuse me, he did have, he had two goals there, uh, but held him to, you know, two for seven shooting, five shots on goal. Um, I thought he did very, very well on uh, J.P. Ward. Brendan Lavelli did being being that matchup. Um, out of seemingly nowhere, seemingly nowhere, you have this flurry of goals that starts to come. This, I don't know if a cloud of, 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 of motivation just came over Franklin Field. It does every week, it seems like. Penn just starts to... They, they, they had, I don't know what, what it was, I, I saw a quakering is what we're calling it now. And, and, and they... Cam Rubin, Ben Smith, Denola on a man-up goal, Cam Rubin again, Tyron Walsh, and all of a sudden it's a 9-7 to game Heading into the fourth quarter, you go on a what four goal, five goal run, and, and all of a sudden you're up nine to seven, and you're winning faceoffs. Your goalie is as hot as he's ever been, and and in a game where, by the way, both these goalies played fantastic on the day here. Uh, Emmett Carroll, 16 saves for Penn. Kevin Ellington, 15 saves for Delaware. 
fantastic day here for both of these goalies. Um, but Penn, again, winning in the most Penn way fashionable. Um, and, you know, as I mentioned the, the two-man-up situation uh, there, two-man-up goals for, for Delaware in the first half. And then you had, I thought, the other turning point in this game was um, Gabe Fury. Gabe Fury had a big hit on the ride. Had a big hit on the ride here in this one. And it lends itself to a goal from Luke Denoa. It was actually a man-up situation. And lends itself to a goal to Luke Denoa. And it makes it 7-7. Seven to seven. And from there, Ruben got one and Walsh got one. And it's a 9-7 to seven game. Uh, that hit energized this Penn team. And while, yes, Jason Kohler comes in and turns on the Jets and, 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 and turns things up with two straight to tie things up. Penn still has all this momentum, is able to answer Ty and Walsh uh, from James Shipley, and then a Casey Mulligan goal uh, really helps to put this one away there. Uh, J.P. Ward gets his second of the day, was, was with like 13 seconds left in this game, um, and Delaware gets a shot late, it hits the post. Uh, but what a good win there for Penn uh, on the day as as they beat Delaware 11-10. to 10. We should see Penn back in the top 20 this weekend uh, on, on Monday as uh, Delaware was ranked number 14th in the country. Uh, special teams is, is what kind of I would chalk up this win for, for, for Penn in this one. Sure, the offense looked better. Uh, this defense overall looked better. Uh, but you look at you know, Mac Eldridge coming in in this one, uh, getting his first minutes as a Quaker. He goes 15 for 19, 78% at the dot. Penn had struggled going 29% and 40% in uh, their loss against Georgetown and win against UAlbany uh, midweek. Uh, so Eldridge is a revelation in this game. Emmett Carroll uh, continues a strong start to the season, strong career. 61% save percentage, 16 saves. Additionally, the Quakers, uh, I mentioned the, the one hit on the ride from Fury. One of many great rides here from, from, from Penn as they held Delaware to 78%, 18 for 23 in the clearing game. A big win here for the Quakers as they took down the Delaware Blue Pens on Saturday. In an 11 to 9, 11 to 10 contest. Next game I want to mention here, and, and we're not going to get into depth in all these ones, but uh, Hopkins 13, UNC 7. So this game is pretty even for the most part. Pretty, pretty freaking even. You look at the shots, you look at the um, everything. Everything. Shots, ground balls. Man up, all that. Pretty even. It's pretty even of a day as you could 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 want. Um, but Hopkins gets the win, thirteen to seven, and it is to me. So first, I'll say this about North Carolina. Um, I I do think this is a good Carolina team. This is a Carolina team that is a lot better than last year. You can see that. You can tell that. Uh, but you also tell just how much youth is on this roster. With guys like Petramala and, and Duffy, I do want to say uh, this: this Hopkins defense 
slide to Duffy a lot. They gave those guys, Duffy and Petromala, a ton of respect, uh, which tells you what they think about both of those players. Um, but it was Chase Owen playing cage, and the overall veteran, uh, veteranness, the experience, and the depth of, of of Hopkins that won this game for them. Brendan Grimes had three goals and one assist on the day. Nine different point getters, seven different goal scorers for Hopkins. Russell Melendez, two goals and one assist. Garrett Degnan with the same stat line as well as Jimmy Ayers. Jacob Angelis had one goal and two assists. Um, you had Chase Irwin with a, a, a big day in cage uh, as he had is the box score on this one here. He had, I think it was, uh, thir yeah, 13 saves on the day, 59% save percentage. Carolina got a lot of good shots off. Uh, thought the offense did actually pretty well against this Hopkins defense, but Owen was just continually there. And multiple of those saves turned into goals on the other end as this Hopkins transition offense was firing on all cylinders. Um, it, it really felt like pretty even keel and pretty even on, on not on this, the, 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 the score, but the stat sheet throughout this game. Third quarter seemed like things, something clicked with Hopkins and that kind of experience, that veteran leadership of this team uh, really stepped it up a notch and, and really, uh, you know, was able to drown out Carolina and Hopkins gets this win, the first win for Hopkins in Chapel Hill since 2019. Um, Cornell, Denver. Cornell and Denver. Another game that came down to the wire here. I'm not going to talk a lot about this one because I did not get to watch it, uh, but did see a number of the highlights coming out of this one, including that final, um, final goal there. Uh, as Connell gets a the eventual winner there for Denver. Um, I'll just put this out there. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven different scores for Denver. 17-16 win over Cornell. Denver in this one had, I think it was five. They went five for seven. On the man up in this one. Yeah, five for seven on the man up. They had five man up goals. This is a game that I'm not so much sure. So, this was a game where at one point, at one point here, you had Cornell up 11 to 7. 11 to 7. They were up 14 to 10 with 440 left in the third quarter. And you could, I mean, you could theoretically see a way right at that moment where Cornell is 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 is, is kind of not running away with it, but they they're comfortable. Um, then all of a sudden you have man up, man up, man up, three man up goals in the final seventeen minutes of this game for Denver. Uh, they had five man up goals overall on the day here. Um, the youth of and, and inexperience 
um, and maybe just overall uh, porousness of this Cornell defense. Again, didn't get to see this game, but saw highlights, highlights from it. It looked to me like this Cornell defense could be an issue. Obviously, replacing Adler was going to be tough, and replacing Irwin was going to be tough. Nust made 11 saves. He's been pretty good. Cody Barn had 12 for Denver. Uh, but, but a game here, and that's something I'll be watching here the next couple of weeks here, is with this Cornell defense, exactly how they look, exactly how they play. Another game in where you saw two different teams here in kind of, I don't want to say two different stages, but like, it, it, it felt like Maryland and, and, and Princeton. Maryland 13, Princeton 17. I watched the majority of this one. Um, Maryland, this one was never really in doubt. It was 6-1 to one at one point. Princeton came in, tried to make it a game. Um, I do want to say Kabili and those younger guys did impress me. Um, in this one for Princeton. Uh, Kabili had four goals on the day. The difference turned out being at the faceoff dot, I think, for the majority of it. Um, so, Luke Lumen went 20 for 23 on the day. I think it was what I had written down here. Uh, Maryland had like 46 or whatever. Uh, yeah, 40, 47 possessions, whereas Princeton had, was it? 25 possessions um, on the day. So, Maryland just dominated this one. Dominated possession. Dominated the game. The Maryland defense did a pretty good job, um, especially early on here in this one. Winning their matchups against Mackesy, against Bones, against Kabili. Um, you had a number of goals that I was going to talk about on the show today, but we're not going to with Notre Dame Georgetown happening. Um, but dive rule came into question multiple times. The Bones goal that uh, you can go to Lacrosse Bucket on Twitter. I have that one up there. That absolutely should be a goal. And there was a Maryland one similar to it that should have been a goal as well. Get rid of the goal mouth, please, and thank you. Um, Spanos, four goals, one assist. Mulver, two goals, three assists. Maltz, three goals. Oscar, two goals and one assist. Depth of scoring improvement, you could say, offensively here for Maryland is clearly shown in this one. Maryland has got a date with Notre Dame in South Bend next Sunday uh, when they can make a statement in that one, another statement win in that one, Maryland right now uh, looking like a top three, top four team in the country, while Princeton is looking like a, a good team, but a team with still a lot of work to do. North Carolina, Duke, Rutgers, their next three games, all on the road. UNC and Duke are Friday and Sunday next uh, this coming week. So we'll learn a lot more about Princeton 
in those two games. I do believe, last thing I want to talk about here, Penn State. Penn State. I did not come in, into this weekend thinking I was going to talk much about this Penn State-Navy game. Thought it could be a good one, but I'm not sure if it would be one that we talk about. Penn State can see them moving back in the top 10 this week after this one, possibly. Penn State wins 13-3 in this game. And, yeah, Matt Trainer had five points. Will Peden had four goals. Ethan Long had three points, two goals, one assist. Malone, Costin, a lot of guys got involved offensively. Um, you had Mullins go 64% at the dot there for them to win that matchup there against Hashi. Uh, Hashi, how the heck you say that? Um, but the... The, the, the storyline of this game was this Penn State defense. So uh, the Penn State defense here, so Jack Cozy, still out, obviously, from his injury in the NCAA tournament last year. Kevin Parnham has been out since the Colgate game. Still, neither returned this weekend. Do we know when either are going to return? No, we don't. Um, I think Tambrone even said after the game there's still no real timetable. We hope they get them back, but we don't know. Um, however, despite that, despite two of the top defensemen on that team being out, Penn State had the best defensive performance they've had this season on Saturday against a Navy team that had been pretty good offensively, even in, in a loss a week ago to Towson. They'd been pretty good offensively. Um, Jack Flacion with 15 saves on the day to anchor that unit. 83% save percentage. And I think maybe the story of the day here is Alex Ross holding Xavier Arline to uh, held him to zero goals on three shots and one assist. Penn State holds Navy scoreless for the final 29-50 of this contest. A big win here for Penn State as they look, you know, to uh, head into the month of March uh, with a, a big defensive performance there and show a lot, even with some of those missing pieces there on Saturday. All right, folks, that is it for today's episode. As always, you can listen to the Evil Crossbow Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you get your podcast. You can connect with us on social media at Bucket on Twitter slash X, Instagram, and Facebook, lacrossebucket.com, where it's always lacrosse season. We shall be back here on Tuesday. Until then, God bless.